What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the show. Paul George here. Thanks for listening in to KLFT Radio, Catholic Radio for Kitty, and are on the podcast all around the world. This is awesome. Fall is here. We've got Deacon Adam, producer Chad. How's it going, fellas? It's going great. It is cold. Yeah, and we it's almost November, and we just had another hurricane down here. I know people who are listening who are from Louisiana, we've talked about this before, out of control. And I hate to wish a storm on anyone else, but I'm really glad that we didn't get it here in Lafayette. Yeah, it was a little bizarre that we didn't get really anything, because, I mean, the eye went right over New Orleans, which is just a two-hour drive from here, mm-hmm. and um, we really the, did not get anything. Yeah, the way it angled. You know, I, know, I thought they, they were saying we get a bunch of rain and it never happened. No, no. But anyway, we are Not praying for folks on the the um, southeast Gulf Coast um, as they get power back and whatnot. You know, uh, but you know, it wasn't as bad as some of the other storms. But this has been like a record of storms. So I'm kind of glad we're but on pace for what. What ended up happening is um, not that I'm a weather person, man, but. Um, a cool front kind of pushed that storm east and then like after the day after the storm it's like beautiful fall weather it's like 40 degrees high in the 60s sunny it's like the best weather Even in southeast louisiana right after the storm it was like that for them too right we got family out there and they're all loving it yeah and yeah, it's unusual to have in the same week a hurricane and jacket weather yeah that's true it's not a normal that's occurrence not a normal. It's never happened in my lifetime but no I'm not that it, old. well it is 2020 so Speaking of 2020, Chad, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? I do. So. I actually have one too. So we'll great. see whose is better. Great. I got a, uh, always a competition with you. Paul. It always is. <laughs> so I have some good news for, I think everyone. Um, a guy just invented a website, just, just built a website that tracks when ice cream machines at McDonald's are down. No way. You know, that's the worst when you pull up to McDonald's. We've had that with our kids. Night. It's a nightmare. Oh, yeah. Like, you go to get ice cream, and then you get there, and they're like, mm, ice cream's down. You're like, no, like, that, that's some, you can't do that. We're here for that reason. Yeah, really, usually depressing. And you're, it's like late night, you know, you and the boys, or you and your friends, you and your partners. <laughs> late night out, McDonald's Let's ice cream. Let's get out the Mickey D's for a McFlurry. <laughs> Like a one dollar ice cream cone, you know, and they're like, "No, sorry, ice cream's down." So, website's called McBroken.com. Really? How do you track that? Like, they they basically send in requests uh, via some, I guess, McDonald's ordering app, and um, each time they're denied, oh, they'll like, that's they're a like, good oh, idea. Broken there. Wow. Or like it's unavailable. They're like, oh, and that's how you become a millionaire in America. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> all you really, need to do. That's really good technology, actually. Yeah, it's it pretty, is good pretty impressive. Well, and look, this is a great example, I think, for any young couples that just got married of like, you <laughs> where, know, broken expectations, right? Because like, I, I could understand from the McDonald's standpoint to be a little offended by this because we're mainly a hamburger place and we're pretty upfront about this, mm-hmm. right? You know, we we want to give you a McFlurry. That's something we want to do, but it's down the list of priorities, right? Right. But what they don't understand from the customer standpoint, some of us only go for the McFlurry. Well, and that's here's, why we're there. But mm-hmm. here's the thing: is it might not be good for McDonald's because if you go and there's no ice cream, what you usually do is say, "Okay, oh, I'll get a drink and a fry or something." So you end up buying something. But if you have the app, it says that you don't have ice cream, then you just don't go, or you go somewhere else. Now, granted, if you live in a city like Lafayette or other cities, there's a McDonald's in every corner, so you just go to the next one. Right, right. and but, that's part of the beauty of this app: it tells you what McDonald's to go to. Yeah, that's good. All right, so I have a have you seen? 
have you seen the fact that I have braces in my mouth? <laughs> mm -hmm. They're pretty obvious. I mean, be honest, fellas, this is the first time I've seen you guys since I got these things. I got them this week, and I don't know who at my age convinced me to put metal in my mouth, but it's, it's um, you know, I needed to do it. It's been a long time coming. You look, you look sophisticated. Do I? It's like putting on glasses. Well, I had on my readers yesterday really? at my office, and, uh, you know, I was reading over some documents and whatnot, and... Um, one of the girls that works works there, she walks in and she's like, you look just like I did at 14. <laughs> Glasses and braces. Yeah, I thought it made you look younger. Yeah, that was, my, uh, really? that was my first thought. Now you could star in like a high school movie. Now, I don't know who, who invented braces, like, but the technology of braces is actually really interesting. Like I've never yeah. really thought about it now that I have it in a mouth. But you think with all the technology, they can invent braces that wouldn't scrape you know your skin off <laughs> inside of your mouth but i don't know maybe i'll get to that we can't even are a special kind of purgatory yeah well look dental health is no joke yeah. it's killed people in the past well I, there's, you know? there's times really? where i wish oh, it would yeah. kill me right now it hurts so bad but <laughs> i was it? actually thinking about that i went to like the pre-appointment and we're getting to a point here actually you guys who are listening on podcasts and the radio <laughs> hang in there is um so so i went this is a two-year process by the way which is just really ridiculous. Um, so I went in for the appointment, and the, and the woman was like really excited. She's like, "So are you are you like excited to get braces?" And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, no." Maybe if I was twelve, she's like, "No, I'm not." And um, she's like, "Really?" And she almost like was shaming me for not being excited. And um, <laughs> she's like, "You really should be excited. Like this is going to be a great process. At the end result." You know, it's going to, and she started showing me pictures of like the end result and whatnot. And, um, and then I really started thinking is like the pain that I'm going to go through is, is sort of this long term for the end result. Okay. And if she asked me in two years if I was glad I would do it, I'd say, yes, I'm really glad I did it. Right. Cause of the result of it. You know, my, my jaw is going to be corrected. You know, my teeth, you know, where, you know, all that. And I think a lot of that is, and I started thinking about that, honestly, about just like growing in the spiritual life and in virtue and going through tough times is thinking like, oftentimes you got to think about the end result, not about the suffering now, not about the hard work that you got to do now, but really kind of keeping the goal in mind of like, oh, this is where I want to be or should be or need to be and keeping that goal in mind. So as this hurts in my mouth, I'm thinking, oh, in two years, a year and a half, it's going to be much better. It's going to look better. It's going to be worth it. And oftentimes we want to give up or not do something because of the hard work, but we, we have to think about the outcome. You see where I'm going with this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You turned that out nicely. You like that? Yeah. 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 Kudos to you, hey, man. You're going to be surprised on how I'm going to tie all this in, by the way, because <laughs> there's, there's more there to go. Okay. Brace yourself. Ooh. I know. Ooh. Yeah. Well, I was excited to get braces because I thought I would be more handsome, you know what I mean? But I was like 13. So that, that was my goals. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Have yeah. a girlfriend. Well, and I've never had braces. So people are like, oh, you're getting them again. No, I've never had them. And so, you know, over the years, you know, it's gotten worse. So, but, uh, but yeah, I was, you know, really thinking about the, the end result, kind of getting to that. And the spiritual life, oftentimes when we don't see immediate results, we want to give up, you know, which, which is crazy because like this Sunday, we celebrate the solemnity of all, all saints, all of them, all of them. Right. And saints are those folks who just went through life, went through the suffering. But the end result is that they were saints. Like, mm -hmm. think about that. And they never thought about 
you know, I don't know what they thought about, but they never thought, you know, one day they're going to call me a saint or be a saint, you know? And, but for, for us as Christians, like that's the end goal. Like heaven's the end goal. Sainthood's the end goal. And we don't think about that every day because we think about the hard work, how tough it is. I'll never be there. I'll never get there. And when St. Paul talks about crossing uh, the finish line, right? The, um, the, the race, the prize, like that's what he's talking about, that end goal. And this year has kind of just knocked us all down, but it's part of putting braces on in a sense <laughs> and, and like correcting, course correcting our life. I think this has been a good year for that. And remember too that this life stinks. It does. Right. In the Hail Holy Queen, we call it a valley of tears. It falls short of what we want. Because it's not our homeland, and we were never built for this, right? God never designed a world of suffering and pain and, and sacrifice in the way that we mean it. <clears throat> as far as uh, you know, having to do the hard work to get to the end, that was never the design. <clears throat> the design was, I've created you for a life of love and holiness and, and happiness with me, and do you want that or not? And when we said, no, we don't want that as a human race, like we instituted a terrible situation that all of our children are born into, all of us are born into, it stinks, you know? And so when we survive that situation, we are victors because we get through a very difficult experience, which is life in this world, and we do it without losing our souls, there's a victory in that. And so I love the Feast of All Saints because we celebrate the victories of those people we don't often think about because there's no feast days for like my grandma, you know, but Sunday is, right? right. Like, like she is a victor. She did it, yeah. you know? Like she, so you think. Well, we hope. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. You know, it's, it, this is so cool. You know, like the, our church is, is really good and awesome because like, the history and tradition goes so far back. It's not like we're, you know, we're just talking about 100 years ago or whatever. Like um, the earliest certain observance of the feast in honor of all saints is as early as the 4th century. Like check that out, right? Um, it was a uh, feast of all the martyrs. In the early 7th century, after succession, waves of invaders plundered, plundered the catacombs. Um, Pope Boniface IV gathered up some 28 wagon loads of bones of martyrs that were killed by the Romans. Goodness. And, I wonder how big those wagons were. And honored, honored all those who were martyred and died for the faith, who we would consider saints, right? Mm -hmm. um, didn't know their names. Right, like your grandma, mm -hmm. like like she, you know, nobody knows Saint Grandma. Like you know, she's not <laughs> going to be a famous saint, but on All Saints Day, the feast and solemnity, we really celebrate all those who have gone before us, who have died for the faith, or lived the faith and died or in heaven. But it really started as martyrs, people who who were just killed because they were Christian. Wow. Yeah. Did you oh, sidebar? The name Boniface is coming back as a popular name. Isn't that wild? For Do you children? know what it, for children? Do you know oh, what it means? Goodness. Nope. Me neither. As like a oh, Bonnie, beautiful face. Beautiful face, beautiful face right? Mm -hmm. yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, wow. Sorry to derail a little bit. but Wait, Would you name your son Beautiful Face? No way. No mm -hmm. way. No, they must have known something we didn't know back then. <laughs> I, just, I don't get it. Which is a good face. But, um, you know, when we feel like giving up, there's, there's a reason. So the Christian life is always in tension in this world. And that's the thing. We never just settle in like everything's good here. And if you ever feel like you have it all together in life, you're probably not living your faith correctly, right? Because Jesus said, 
on this rock I will build my church, right? You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. Gates protect, right? So this is the devil's world. This is the darkness's world because he claimed it through sin when he he invaded the world through Adam and Eve. Like this is his territory. This is enemy territory. The church is an invading force into that territory. So the promise Jesus made was that when we invade, when we're on the offense, the devil's gates will not withstand it. Like we will always win the invasion. It's not a promise to protect the church from the devil. It's the promise that the devil will never be able to withstand the church. Hmm. Like we are always on the offense. And if we live our faith correctly, that tension is always going to be there of us attacking the devil, attacking the darkness, attacking the kingdom of this world. And when we just give up, well, then we join his ranks. You see, those are the only options. We're either in the battle, getting it done, and that stinks a lot. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's hard to fight. But the church is always on offense. And this desire to give that up or, or this when it gets difficult, like I'm just going to give in, we have to resist that so much because we're not just giving up the fight, we're giving into the kingdom of darkness. Mm. See what I'm saying? Those are the two options. You're either fighting the devil or you're part of his team. Like, mm. That's it. There's no in-between. Yeah, I love that because... I, I, well, there is an in-between. There's mediocrity. There's lukewarmness. Which, but then you're on the devil's team? Which Jesus talks <laughs> yeah, about, yeah. right? Which, which I hate that scripture, by the way, mm. in, a, in a way that I hate to wrestle with it. When Jesus says, if you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Like there's just, like you were saying, Adam, like we don't want to hear that there's no in-between because we'd like to sort of like slide in in purgatory. We want to just be in the middle. We want to... Yeah, do the minimum. Yeah, do the minimum. Right. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but I like that. I like that that you say that life stinks because <laughs> it's it's kind of satisfying, you know, because it speaks to the, the truth in our hearts because we're like, and people tell us, that, like, oh, you're fine as you are. You're good enough as you are. And but like deep down, I know that that's not true. Like I know and I feel it in me that I'm not, that's not it. That's You're not, not complete. Right, right, right. I'm not, yeah, I'm not where I'm supposed to be yet. Well, look at the setting that God chose for the two main religious events of history. The Exodus, his people were oppressed in Egypt. And Jesus Christ, his people were oppressed by the Romans in Jerusalem. He, he chose the setting of an oppressed people and then God sending someone to go into the oppression and bring them out. The church is a rescue mission in enemy territory where we have tons of prisoners of war everywhere. Hmm. People who were not from this world, not made for this world, are prisoners in this world by sin and the kingdom of darkness. The church is a rescue mission to enter in just like Moses came. Moses left and came back. Jesus came down from heaven, went into enemy territory to rescue souls from death. It it stinks to be a prisoner of war. Like, this is a valley of tears. This is not a pleasant experience for humanity. Now, it, it is awesome to belong to Jesus. And, you know, like God, this is the world God created, but it's been altered by sin. The church rescues us from that. And Welcome to the most yeah. depressing show you've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's well, hope but, in Jesus, and we can be fulfilled. We'll never be complete until we enter into heaven, right? And that's why we experience suffering in this world. And I think... You know, when people and us at times in our lives, right, we can all say this, but when, when folks look for this world to fulfill them totally and completely, they just live in constant disappointment. Because the reality yeah. is what we're talking about is that nothing in this world can complete us, fulfill us totally. But Jesus 
But even in that, in our in our brokenness, we'll never be totally fulfilled until heaven. That's why our goal is sainthood. That's why yeah. our goal is that, you know, we will be, you know, with all the saints in heaven rejoicing and that's when we'll be totally fulfilled. It's like having braces and going to the suffering of braces while having the joy of the promise of straight smoothie. teeth. <laughs> yeah. I just want a smoothie yeah. right you're now. Like you're, living in, you're living in the hope. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, speaking of, um, we actually have a guest. You know, if you're thinking your 2020 was wonky and bad and you experienced some suffering, our guest got sliced open. <laughs> during 2020. I'll just leave it at that. All right. We'll be back. It's Paul George Show. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the podcast or on the radio here at KLFT Radio. Paul George Show. We've got uh, Deacon Adam, producer Chad over there. We actually have a guest today. Now, I know that 2020 has been weird, Adam. It's been wonky. Wonky. Um, we've experienced some ups and downs, some suffering. Uh, but, you know, we have a guest that experienced probably a 2020 or a year that I've never experienced. You know, he got sliced open, literally. And <laughs> but on but on purpose, right before right. A, a pandemic, uh, our good friend, friend of the show, longtime music worship youth minister, all around, you know, whatever you are, Paul Hood, Jack of all trades. <laughs> yeah. So welcome, Paul. So anyway, um, good morning, guys. So we all got shut down March, right? And like you know, you listen to the show, it's like everything just kind of changed March, right? You know, January, February was going great, and then like everything hit. Well. Paul's 2020 started in February um, and then just went wonky from there. So what happened? Well, it all started on Valentine's Day. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Right. Um, I had a, a multi-organ transplant on March the 4th of 2020, the year of our Lord. 2020. That's right. right. Supposed to, it's, is it still the year of our Lord? That's the real question oh, yeah, in everybody's his, mind. It's still his year. <laughs> Absolutely. We hope so. <laughs> so you actually had a double organ transplant, a yes. kidney pancreas. You went in for surgery. It was scheduled. The combo meal. The combo like meal. To call it. You, go to, you went two for one. Um, which <laughs> they is a, They had honestly, a buy one, like get one free sale. It was great. Pretty serious, life-threatening sort of, you know, anytime you get an organ transplant, you know, he got two at one time. The crazy thing about it, Paul, is that you were scheduled for this, and then if it would have been a week later, it wouldn't have happened. That's correct. That's uh, correct. Because of the pandemic, and they weren't doing, you know, they had to stop surgeries, and you were actually, you know, needed it ASAP at that point. Yeah, that's, yeah. The great thing, or the difficult thing about uh, organ transplants is, you know, you can't just go buy one out of the, at the <laughs> store. Like, this, you, you don't get to go to AutoZone and say, I need a new a new alternator and a new, you know, air filter. Just it's give just, me the generic brand. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't need anything fancy. I, it can be a rebuilt one. I'm great with that. That's fantastic. That's funny. 
so yeah, so um, I was dealing with uh, late stage kidney disease and having a myriad of health problems and was scheduled for April 6th. Uh, my sister, uh, God bless her, was going to uh, give me one of her kidneys. You know, people, there's two, everybody has two kidneys. She love you that much or she owe you? Can it be both? Yeah, might be both. Uh, oh, she would definitely say that this was all her and not me. Right, right. I'd love to have her as a guest because that would be fun. Oh. <laughs> she would have a few things to say, especially in this particular environment. <laughs> that would be that would either be the most listened to show ever, or or not, or the last show or ever. The last show ever. <laughs> so you were scheduled in April, April sixth, and uh, ended up. Uh, I was scheduled just for a kidney transplant, and I was having a. Uh, a consultation with one of the surgeons at Ochsner. Shout out to Ochsner Transplant uh, because they're the most amazing people on earth. You wouldn't know any different. You've only been to one transplant. So. Yeah, it's not like you get a frequent flyer <laughs> card or miles with this. Right. It's no, like I'm checking in. I need to put you know my frequent flyer card numbers in <laughs> in case I need to redeem an organ later. Um, and so uh, one of the surgeons was like, well, have you ever considered a kidney pancreas transplant? And I'm like, that's an option. You know, there's, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, when you're, in, you're taking anatomy and physiology in college or high school, they're like, oh, yeah, by the way, these parts are completely interchangeable. <laughs> and, you know, if you get really lucky, we can swap these things out. Um, and so I was like, if that's an option, sure. And... Um, because what peop most people wouldn't know, and, and the reason I know this is because, you know, we're friends and we've talked about Absolutely. it, is that, you know, the kidney and pancreas, you know, they're, you know, related. If you have diabetes, you get a pancreas, then your diabetes goes away because of the way it operates, right? Absolutely. It was, it was very, very strange being in recovery, uh, no longer being on a diabetic diet because uh, the food at Ochsner Hospital is actually quite amazing. And they're like, yeah, for dessert today, we have uh, bread pudding. And I was Shout like, out number two. Bring it and on. I, and I was like, what? Another reason to have a transplant. <laughs> bread pudding. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, I, and so I looked at the nurse. I was like, you mean I can eat this? I don't have uh, diabetes I don't, anymore? I don't know what to do with myself. And they're like, yeah, you've, you haven't eaten anything in a week and a half. Like, you, know, you <laughs> might want to eat. take it easy. They were just taking me off of a liquid diet. And, um, and so, yeah, there was, it was this whole experience of, um, kind of a different life, but also at the same time, kind of alluding to what you were speaking of earlier is, um, two or three days after my surgery, I had the television on watching the news. And I remember before I got called in for, uh, my transplant that, that there were some whisperings in the news of this virus overseas and was it going to affect America? And, and and so I'm sitting in a hospital bed, you know, 108 stitches in my abdomen. The nurse is in there. You got cut, bro. Uh, it was, yes. So you were scheduled April 6th, but they called you they early. They called me early because there were uh, um, uh, uh, a cadaver kidney gotcha. and pancreas available. Actually, uh, we could probably have a, a whole other day talking about the gift of of organ donation. Um, but all I know is that it was from a 19 year old young man, uh, who died and, and you're alive. Absolutely. And another person got his other kidney. Another person got his heart. Another person got his lungs and another person got his liver. Wow. Jeez. So yeah. So there were five people who were called in 
because of of this family's decision. And that that in and of itself is just so it's so contradictory to the way I think the world thinks, you know? So, um, so yeah, so I'm sitting in the hospital bed watching the news and they say, um, the first, uh, case in the first, uh, documented case of coronavirus is in, in Jefferson parish, Louisiana. <laughs> and I look at the nurse and I'm like, what parish are we in? And she looks at me deadpan. She goes, Jefferson Parish. <laughs> it's called Mardi Gras. And and we looked at each other and we it was the weirdest thing because it was like we both understood like, oh, this is not good. This is not good. And within the next 48 hours, uh, the hospital was on lockdown. You know, my wife couldn't stay in the room anymore. And, uh, you know, every, it was it was it was really, really interesting, really, really interesting. So for like that, you know, I was living in New Orleans for another two weeks in recovery. So. What I've heard recently from coronavirus survivors that there's these moments where you really don't think you're going to make it, Hmm. you know? And it's hard for me to relate to that experience, but I could tell it changes them. Like the way they talk about it, like going through that. Um, But I mean, in your case, if your scheduled surgery would have stayed scheduled without this person dying so that you could live you might not be here right now, right? Like you might not have survived 2020. Your kidneys would have gone down here. You wouldn't have gotten the surgery you needed. Um, I mean, what was it like for you kind of going through those thoughts of actually dying or possibly dying? And, and how did it change you? They, they say it's like seasickness. The first 30 minutes, you're like, Lord, don't let me die. The last 30 minutes, you're like, please let me die. Mm-hmm. Like, like <laughs> were yeah. there moments like that? The, the, the good news was, is that thank God for and I, I can say this well meet well intentioned like there's drugs mm-hmm. <laughs> these days that they have you know <laughs> having surgery a hundred years ago i don't know how people you know when that, you got a couple shots of morphine if you woke up and you mm-hmm. were in pain that was kind of all they had for you um so there's i, I don't all know what they gave me a hundred years ago you would be dead at 45 oh, you absolutely. wouldn't have gotten yeah a, there would be no double transplant, organ absolutely. transplant absolutely um but the, the whole time there was an, an aspect of, and, and I think that this is probably maybe my theme and maybe a lot of other people's theme for 2020 is this concept of redemption mm-hmm. and that it's not lost on me as a Catholic that someone else's pain and suffering brought about redemption in my life. And, and I'm sure the family didn't see it that way, but I know in my life that there's this sense of somebody that I'm not necessarily, you know, intimately connected with died. And as a result of their death, like I'm given life, you know, that's a really, that's a really profound thing to sit with, you know? And, you know, St. Paul says, you know, continually we carry about in our bodies the dying of Jesus so that in our lives, the rising of Jesus will also be revealed. Like I have like, two spots in my abdomen where like I'm literally carrying this other person's That's not vital organs, right? They're called vital organs because if you take them out, you in fact can't live without them. <laughs> They're vital. They're yeah. Apparently, <laughs> apparently who knew it was all in the name. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, and so it's, it's so funny. Like sometimes when I lay down and I roll in a certain way, like I can, f- I can actually feel these additions to my body. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And 
and there's it's like and that's a, a very strange but also a very tangible way of like that scripture coming to fruition like I'm literally caring about redemption in my body because of somebody else's sacrifice. Yeah, it's not. So you listen to Paul George show. We got Paul Hood, a guest on Double Organ Transplant 2020, Deacon Adam, producer Chad. You know, it's producer uh, Chad is my favorite. Yeah. Or Uncle Chad. It depends on the day. So producer you know, Chad feels if you much think you had a 2020, we all kind of went through, you know, we're going through the economy and the election and all this tension and, you know, uh, but. Storms, you, storms, but you know, you had a double organ transplant. You got sliced open in the midst of all. I, you love to, you love to just sit on that, the sliced open part. I think it seems like you get some strange satisfaction about think, thinking about that. I think secretly, I'd like to slice you open. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, so, you need you need to get on the list for that one. Um, you know, help us understand a little bit because you, you know you've had a, a a hard year. You know, double organ transplant you know, recuperating from that, dealing with, you know, the suffering and pain of that, you know, survivor's guilt with having someone else's organs. Uh, absolutely. Um, That's real. Every you know, day. your job, you know, sure. um, the economy, like, you know, how, you know, there's been some really tough days for you this year. W what's sustaining you besides bread pudding? No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that did really well the first day though. <laughs> that helped. Uh, yeah. It was, it was, it was fantastic. Um, I think there's a couple of things. Number one, from the get-go, I was surrounded by a great group of people. Whether it's, you know, this group of guys, you know, that we, we get together mm -hmm. and, uh, and we really kind of share our life. I mean, there's some, there are probably two or three groups of community-related folks that um, have really kind of journeyed with us through this, you know. The whole craziness of the story was, you know, um, when you go through training for uh, for kidney transplant, uh, they tell you, like, you're going to get this phone call. You don't know when you're going to get this phone call. It could be 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It could be 3 o'clock in the morning. And they're going to say, hey, here's the organ we have available. And you have a yes or no, Right. That's it. You don't you don't get to call back and say, well, you know, let me take let me take this to discernment. There's no middle ground. We were talking about that in the first segment. There's yeah. no middle ground. You can't be like maybe. Hmm. Let me let me clear my calendar and see if I'm available. Hmm. You know, so it, you have to be prepared for that moment. And so, because we knew this was coming up, we are you know I've got three girls and we already had uh, two families that stepped up. They're like, hey, you get that phone call. You drop your kids off, and you don't need to worry about it. Uh, that was that was beautiful to be able to to do that. Um, I, another amazing thing is um, my former coworker Renee Aldridge and her daughter Leah started a GoFundMe for me. Which, um, had I known, <laughs> you know, going into twenty twenty, I mean, the the concept of of a GoFundMe is absolutely beautiful anyway because. Um, like I, I, I never had to check it. They set it up and people were able to support my journey and I, I didn't have to, it's not like I had to take a certain amount of energy and deal with it. Like though, uh, Renee and Leah, they just handled the whole thing. Uh, so that support financially and just the prayers and the, and the realistically 
just seeing so many people reaching out. That was a huge thing. Knowing that uh, I had people praying for me. You know, I was uh, literally, because I, I was working at the parish at the time, and uh, the CF, CFRs were in town in Broussard giving a, uh, a Lenten mission. And, and for the, any of you who guys have ever hung out with the CFRs, you know those are like walking Jedi Knights, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And for them to, to, to be able to pray with me and my wife before we literally got in the car to go to New Orleans was such a powerful thing. Just their witness of, of mission and humility and obedience was just a beautiful, beautiful thing. And just, you know, waking up from surgery and realizing that, that my kids were in a good place, that, that, that God had preordained everything that needed to happen. You know, I didn't have to worry about money. I didn't, so there was, even in the fear of, un, of the unknown and the fear of like, am I going to wake up from the surgery or, the, you know, or am I going to go into rejection or any one of those things that is still a real possibility that, that God, he just keeps showing up. Right. You know, like we, we talk back and forth, you know, about how crazy it is. And you have a tendency to text me back. Well, the good news is that God is still on his throne. You know, as crazy as everything has been around me, whether it's losing a job or, you know, fear of dying, of, of dying or fear of, of not being able to recover financially, all of those things like like God just keeps showing up. Right. Whether it's it's financial or spiritual support or somebody that calls me out of nowhere like oh my gosh hey um we were thinking about you god put us on you know on your on our hearts and and here's and here's some money or you know we we want to we want to fix a meal for you or any one of those things or or just having people that are there to listen when you're freaking out you know because i think as catholics we do a really good job of putting on a brave face you know we're impenetrable, but at the same time, when it's just us in the recesses of our mind, we're, what am I going to do now? You know? yeah. uh, and so I think community has been the most important thing, knowing that people were, were praying for me and people reaching out, I think, were the three biggest things. Yeah. Just that gentle tap on the shoulder, like, you're not alone in this. Because it can be a very frightening, very frightening process to like, okay, like, you know, it's not like you can buy a book that says, you know, transplants for dummies that just spells everything out. Right. And one of the things that a lot of people have been dealing with, and I'm continuing to hear stories about it, is people are fighting with anxiety and depression because of the isolation and loneliness. And here you were, you know, and in a time where our church is shut down, so we couldn't sacramentally be close to Jesus in, in the sense of the sacrament, right, of confession and Eucharist. We become sacrament for people. Like like physical presence Absolutely. of God in people's lives. And I think that people don't understand the importance that community is not just, oh, they're a buddy or they're a friend. No, we become the presence of Jesus to people in their lives. The community is is massively huge, you know, to journeying together and being sacrament for other people. Yeah, it's so big we have a feast day for it, right? I mean, that is what All Saints is. It's It's Absolutely. the acknowledgement that none of us get through this life on our own, that God has given us a community of saints, a community of brethren, and we all cross the finish line together, right? Even those that have gone a thousand years before us, they're still part of our journey, and they're helping us along the way. And when we meet them, and when you meet this guy who gave his life for you that didn't even do it intentionally, but like right, right, right. When, you, when we meet each other on that, that is the joy of all saints, is that it's a joy of victory 
together over this life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. You know, so I just want to encourage, like, listeners, like, you know, listening to Paul and his stories, like, he's just talking, like, and being, like, really reminded and ministered to, not only about having Jesus in times of suffering, but having other people, and to not isolate ourselves, or if someone comes to your mind, just reach out to them, text them, call them, see how they're doing. Like, never assume that someone is doing okay, and I think that that's really important uh, to think about and, you know, consider, um, you know, our lives. All right, so we're going to take a break and uh, we'll be right back. The Paul George Show is made possible in part by our partners at Solidarity HealthShare. Solidarity is the Catholic solution to the healthcare problem. Are you paying too much for your healthcare cost? Solidarity HealthShare is a healthcare sharing ministry which provides an ethical way to fund healthcare costs while protecting and practicing our Catholic beliefs. Best yet, Solidarity HealthShare's members are exempt from the fines and penalties in the Affordable Care Act. Visit SolidarityHealthShare.org. That's SolidarityHealthShare.org. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the radio, KLFT Radio, or on the podcast. We actually had a guest today. It's been a long, long time since we've had a guest, mainly because I'm horrible at lining up guests. And... We have three people on the show, and so the banter's just been great. And I've actually been getting some pretty good feedback from folks who've been listening to the show. So share it on the podcast, whatever the case may be, and uh, keep the show going. So big Paul Hood's in the house. We were uh, prepare, uh, yes. uh, comparing scars, and he won uh, at the break. You know, it's like, oh, I got surgery on my knee. I've got this little scar. And then and then he looks at me. You know, I was like, I got braces. My mouth hurts. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How about this? You know, how many stitches did you have? Uh, or staples? Staples, 108. And I know it's 108 because after they've been in, entrenched in your skin mm-hmm. and they go to pull those out, you feel every single one of those. <laughs> you felt yeah, all 108. They don't have a medicine for taking stitches out. No. It's no. not the same. They no. just pop them out like with a with a staple remover? It's... <laughs> Like your friendly accountant at the no, office. There, there really is a device that they use that, and they 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 put they push it on your stomach and it it and it kind of like crimps the the staple and they pull it out. Yeah. Yeah, just like that. Yeah. And you just have to lay there. Uh, that's better than the alternative, which is writhing in pain. You know it. You know what's interesting is one of the questions that um, you know, thing is like you, you know through this whole process, like you had to be so vulnerable, like vulnerable of like the fact that (laughs) one, you're going to die too, that, you know, nurses and doctors are prodding you all over. And, you know, like you're obviously out of commission being cut, you know, you're, you're, you're getting someone else's organs. You got sliced. And I (laughs) thought I'd get that in again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, we need to keep like, we need like a little board. Like we said sliced again. Like you were forced into vulnerability. Oh my gosh. And how has that transformed you, you know, that, in a world where we're like so self-sustainable? That was really one of my biggest fears of 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 this entire process, you know, because I think as especially as guys, it's like, you know, there's this weird thing with our bodies, you know, and and just, you know, literally being there, you know, for the first three or four days, like in this in this state of like coming out of heavy, heavy anesthesia 
and just kind of having to, you know, being 45 years old and having a room full of nurses have to do everything for you. And I mean everything, everything. Um, you know, there's a fine line sometimes between humility and humiliation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like we were dancing on that line for a while. I feel like, I feel like one leads to the other. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. They're connected. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But but that's, that is the beautiful – can I give a shout-out to the beautiful nurses out there? who? That's what they do for 12, 16, 18 hours a day. Like, like that's a special agent of mercy. Mm-hmm. Um. Just to be so kind and so loving and so beautifully supportive and like, hey, you know, uh, you got to see some of the nurses when yeah. you came to see me. Like, they have a great sense of humor about it. And you know, they walk when they walk out the room. You're like, man, that guy, I can't deal with him anymore. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but when they're with you, they're really nice. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So here's what I'm thinking. We're gonna do a rapid fire of six pack of questions. It's Russian roulette. You can grab the mic and ask. Chad, we gonna do that? Little yeah, let's do it. Six let's do it. You ready? questions. Y'all need. Y'all need. Oh, here, we here we go. Question. All right. Question. Question one. Um, man. Okay. Wait. I'm not ready. <laughs> All right. See, this right. is what happens. I know you said rapid fire. Rapid no, fire. I, my question brain one. Rapid fire. It's time, time for the lightning So round. I'll go with the first question, right. and I'm gonna shoot it at Paul. Um, slice him a little bit here. Um, through this whole through this whole thing um, of suffering, um, where's Jesus in suffering? He is right in the middle of it. Uh, that's the I think, especially working with RCIA for a long, long time. I think the Catholic idea of of suffering and redemptive suffering is so countercultural that. At face value, it freaks people out, is to know that I'm closest to Jesus in the middle of my suffering, that that's when Jesus draws the closest to me. Because in the middle of that suffering, it feels like he's a million miles away. But the beauty of, of, of redemptive suffering is that that draws Jesus into us, you know, and that and if we are able to reach past that fear of the moment and the fear of the unknown that that we that that's where he holds us the closest hmm. but that doesn't in practice like everything else it's simple but it's not easy and it doesn't always feel that way and i think oh, no, you know for no, no, no. for a lot of folks like in your suffering and times of we've all suffered and we go through we're talking about this in the first segment of like you know this world we fall short like it it, it it's never going to fully fulfill us uh, until heaven, you know, all, with the saints, in that sometimes we don't feel it. And just like, you know, Jesus on the cross, you know, felt abandoned. Like, he, 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 you know, he, you know, Father, where are you? You know, but staying the fact that, you know, there's a difference in our faith in feeling something and knowing something. We don't have the, always have the emotion that Jesus is present, but we know that he is, right? And that's what we grab onto. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Question two. Okay, Paul. Uh, Which Paul? Hood. Because we got two Pauls. <laughs> Look, this here. has been the story of our lives. Paul and Paul show. Mm. Right. To the questions. Paul he actually d- just short story here is that I got I got booked to do a retreat one time. Okay, like to go speak. You know, whatever. Do the, the retreat. They they coordinated with me and everything. And then I actually get there. 
I go and get there. I'm at the event and they come up to me and they say, so um, what what songs are you going to play for your <laughs> session? And I, and I looked at him. I was like, wait, what? I was like, yeah, like what songs are you going to play and how, how long are you going to do music? And I said, um, I don't. I don't do music. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I can't sing, play, no, nothing. Like, I just talk. Like, that's what I do. And uh, they, like, started looking at me, and then I looked at them, and then they looked at me, and I was like, wait, were you actually thinking that I was Paul Hood? And their face just got like, what? they're like, oh. You're not. It literally, it literally happened. There's a first time for everything. Okay, mm. first of all, <laughs> I've never wanted to be Paul Hood more in that moment. Like, Lord, I don't, I don't know how to play a guitar. So, so I, I, no, I just told him, I was like, I'm not playing music. I mean, I can't do it. I don't do that. Yeah. So, <laughs> question two, the question that everybody's wondering, Paul, did you get to see your insides? No. No. Not some di- people get to see that, you know. Not directly. Gotcha. Um, like, did yeah. you get to see the organ before they put it in you? No, no, no. You are out. You are well out. Oh. Yes. Trust are you me. curious at all? No. And let me explain <laughs> to you why. <laughs> the only time I got to see my insides was my insides. <laughs> Everything on the inside wants to be on the outside, but I'm no doctor. Um, so. The what, like one of the last things you do before you are checked out of the hospital after a transplant is they put a stent in your bladder. Oh, and without getting too um, dramatic, yeah. there's only one way to go get that stent out: mm. mm. slice you open. No, 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 no. <laughs> I would have dealt with slicing me open at that point. That oh, would have okay. been a, that would yeah, have been that's woke. enough. We don't need to know anymore. There you go. And at that Sorry point, for asking the question. at that point, while they were removing it, they said, "Do you want to see what the inside of your bladder looks like?" And I saw about thirty seconds. I said, "That's enough. I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm good." Yeah. Here's what we all found out. And I remember. I think we were sitting there all at lunch, and uh, you know, we we've gotten more medical information through this whole process from Paul than I've ever gotten in my life, <laughs> or that you've ever wanted. And here's what we all didn't know that we we're all like, "Wait, what?" Is that when you have a kidney transplant, um, you have two kidneys, right? And they don't remove the kidneys. They just add the third one in there and attach it. So now Paul actually has three kidneys in his body. And, and two pancreas. And two pancreas. So I asked him, I said, how much does a kidney weigh? He's like, I don't know, three, four pounds. I was like, so that's unfair. Like you're going to just automatically gain four pounds of weight because they're just adding an extra kidney. I wouldn't do it. And now he's not even diabetic anymore, you know? So right. but you then, can eat what you want. But then they put you on steroids every day for the rest of your life. He's roided oh, up. That's and, exciting. And yeah, I'll never play in the NFL, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Question number three for producer Chad. So Chad, you've had some medical issues and suffering and stuff like Paul here. I guess my question is, but you're also a young person, so you know a lot of young people that, wow. that haven't really lived a life of suffering. Wait. So my question is, what have you noticed about how suffering matures or like going through particularly things you feel helpless in, like medical issues? Like, what do you notice as you look at your friends that maybe haven't gone through those same things? Like, what's in you that's maybe not in them as far as just life maturing you? Man, I, I, <laughs> I feel like it, uh, it, it sort of levels you out in a way. I don't know if that makes sense, but um, you, you you have a different capacity to understand other people's 
uh, actions and reactions, you know? Like more it's empathy? Like, yeah, yeah, more empathy and more compassion for other people who are going through suffering because it, it just makes sense to you. Like, oh, I remember how I felt in this moment and the things I wanted to do hmm. and the ways I wanted to react. And um, it's I, I know that for me, the only reason that maybe I didn't spiral in ways that I should have or that, that other people do or whatever is I had good people around me. And <laughs> uh, I had good people around me that uh, a good wife and, and good friends that helped me stay sane and, and uh, make the right decisions that I, that I ought to be making. So it's easy for me to, I mean, I, I think I, I've had the thoughts that I think other people have been unfortunate to carry out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I got a question for, see, you got to grab hold of the question. You got to shoot it. All right. So <laughs> you this, shoot your shot. <laughs> yeah, you do. This question is for Deacon Adam. Uh, so now in your ministry of ordination, you are asked to be with people during their times of suffering, right? And uh, what is, you know, you know, what is that like? And, and what do you do? Or how do you bring the presence of Christ? Because it's not you there, like you're bringing Jesus into that moment. Like, what's that like? So like with all things in our faith, the liturgy really is the source and summit of everything we do, right? And don't forget that the liturgy is an entering into suffering. We enter into the suffering of Jesus Christ that redeems the world. That is what liturgy is. So it's not like we pretend or dress up like we're at Calvary. We actually enter into the mystery of our redemptive, uh, the redemptive, redemptive suffering of Christ. And it really is a good spiritual and emotional and human rehearsal for entering into all suffering because mm -hmm. suffering is sacred. And I think what Chad was just pointing to is this reality that when you go through it, you have an encounter with God. You have it, it's it's a unique set apart experience of what it means to be human, humble, and completely vulnerable. Right? And that's where God meets us when we're completely human, completely humble and vulnerable. Um, so suffering is sacred. And I think ordination but, you know, being attentive to the liturgy and entering more deeply into that, I find such a similarity between that and being with people in suffering. Like this past week, we had a situation we're talking about depression and anxiety and, and COVID and the suicides are way up, you know. And so there's this young gal, high school age, lost her dad to suicide um, because he was suffering with COVID depression, you know, and he just couldn't deal with it. They were divorced. And, and so he was really by himself. And what do you do? What do you say in a moment like that to someone, right? I think you acknowledge the sacredness of the moment. Like God has prepared a lot of grace for this young girl who's going to have to deal with this. Um, so anyway, I, I think, uh, number one, you, you have to recognize the sacredness of suffering and how God's going to meet you there with all the grace he's prepared for you. Amen. Man, that's good. That's good. So, all right. Question number five. I mean, like... You got a question, Paul Hood? You can't even think of one. I'm, I'm saving for number six. Well, we're almost out of time. Pack. This so, is a six pack, so yeah. I'll go with number five. All right, I got number five. So, Paul George, uh, you already mentioned how your braces have helped you spiritually, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brace the faith. Um, Embrace the faith. <laughs> that sounds like the name of a youth. It's going to be my new logo, that Embrace like the Faith, with me smiling. You guys should see inside this. I mean, there's like, there's like Studio Twister going on so in, in here right that now. That sounds sir. like the name <laughs> of, a, of, a, of a youth group event from 1995. So Adam, Embrace did you have an qu actual question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, my question, in all seriousness, though, how important is that as a Christian to actually relate what you're going through in real time to, to your faith and 
you know, what difference does that make for you with that skill? And, and you work with a lot of people that are going through different situations. It's not automatic that when we go through suffering, we think of Jesus, right? Right. But, well, how important is that skill as a Christian? I do think it's extremely important in times of suffering or pain to think of the end result, honestly. And I work a lot with married couples who are like wanting to quit. Like they want to quit because it's so hard. They're fighting the tension. They're divided. And and so I keep asking them like, you know, the end result can be this. Are you, are you guys prepared to, to journey in that direction? Because if you're not, like you're just going to quit, right? You know, so the braces are about the end result. The hard work is about the end result. Every day is hard. But Paul had mentioned earlier, like community kind of pushing us forward when we can't push ourselves forward, right? And that that's extremely important. Absolutely. I think, you know, the other thing to 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 put on that is is suffering it's not a quick fix. You know, like when when people are, are suffering and we say, oh well you really need to take that to prayer. That doesn't mean that the first time you pray about dealing with your suffering that it's magically going to disappear. You know, this is Jesus we're talking about. It's not it's not Harry Potter. You know, you don't get to wave a it's wand. It's not magic. It doesn't just completely disappear. But it's it's in the midst of that struggle that we have to stop and realize that we're being formed. We're being bent towards God and not bending away from him. Because suffering can do one of two things. It can make you bitter or it it can increase your your the closeness of your relationship with God. And that's a that's a constant decision that you have to make when you're in the midst of suffering. You know, a, a lot of people have this the fortitude where they can wake up and make that decision and stick to it. I'm not one of those people. I've never have been. I would love to be. So I it's like along the way I need those reminders. Right. You know, I need you can be bitter or better. Absolutely. There you go. So that was the sixth question and I answered it bitter or better. So <laughs> We're running out of time. Thanks, everyone, for being a part of the show. Thanks, Paul Hood, for coming in. Deacon Adam, Beautiful. producer Chad, it's been a good show. Thanks for listening. You can share the show on um, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, whatever the case may be. Support the show. We'll be behind it. Thanks to all our sponsors and KLFT Radio. We'll be back next week. God bless.